0: This is the Valley of Grace Podcast, helping women reclaim their power and identity so they will know they are enough. We are breaking unhealthy relationship patterns, building resilience and flourishing, and creating an empowered new chapter of life. On today's podcast episode, we have Coach Christine James, and she's going to talk about toxic relationships, goals, mindset, and life in general. But before we do that, I want to give a shout out to Timothy Horton for bringing our intro and outro music to us every week. And without further ado, here is the conversation Between me and Coach Christine James, be blessed.
1: the opportunity. Um, I appreciate everyone that's listening now and on the replay. Um, so a little bit about my life story is that I was raised um, in a military family. My dad joined the military after um, I think I was about four years old. So we went around multiple places, um, always meeting new people. But it was also growing up where babies are raising babies. I had teen parents. Okay. And so sometimes when that happens, um, it's a lot of insecurity, um You know, just growing up, I didn't really feel valuable. And so that carried into my young adulthood where I attracted um, an abusive relationship and I was in there. And with that, um, then I started noticing that I don't like this. It's okay for me to say no. I don't want to be in this anymore. And then I took that leap to get out of the um, relationship because I really wanted to start living. But I still didn't know what that looked like. And I still was passive about life. I really Mm -hmm. didn't have like big, big goals. I was actually afraid to have big, big goals um, because I didn't think I was worthy to have it. Okay. You think it was from the
2: relationship or from the the deep uh, set insecurity prior to going into the relationship?
1: I think it was all of it. I think um, I attracted that individual because I already was feeling that about myself. Okay. And I thought that I deserve to get hit because I didn't think I didn't I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't pretty enough. And what I even notice about that, the word deserve, I actually don't like that word. Because they put you on two ends of the spectrum. So sometimes when people feel like they make a mistake, they deserve these type of punishments. So they feel like they should just take on anything that comes their way. Right. And then you have then you have the other end of the spectrum where people feel like they deserve everything to go perfectly because they made all the right choices. They stayed out of trouble. They said, yes, you know, to certain things. But when you're on both ends of those spectrums, you're unable to really serve where God wants you to be. And so when I look at that word deserve, actually, if you break it up, it means of service. So I Mm -hmm. feel like the very things that you're going through makes you of service. And when you start to think like that, it'll bring you to a middle of loving yourself and loving other people.
2: Wow. I'm telling you, isn't that the truth? I know what you mean though with that deserve because that's how I felt, you know, even when I was in the toxic relationship that I was in and coming out of it, it's like, well, you know, at the time, this is what I deserve because I didn't feel good about myself and my appearance, you know, my uh, self-esteem and self-worth was lacking. And like you said, it's something how we, we reach for that word.
1: Yes, ma'am. And it wasn't until I started realizing, like, oh, you know what? I don't want it's okay for me to say no. I don't want to be in this. And as I was getting out of it, this was one of the questions or one of the statements I was said, said to me. And this is probably a lot of women probably heard this, especially if you're in an abusive relationship. Oh, I've been doing it for this long. Now you have a problem with it? I've had a problem with it the whole time. Right. I just didn't have a voice. Right. I just didn't know I had a voice to speak up. Mm-hmm. So I transitioned out of that. Um, like I said, I was still a little bit passive about life. And then I met my first mentor, this amazing woman of God. And mm. I worked with like all women. They were okay. all older than me. I was the youngest mm. on staff. Okay. And, but I kind of was looking, so I, I, I think a lot of young women are in this place too. You're, you're looking sometimes like at older women for like some type of guidance. Right. But sometimes they don't even know what they're doing. They're still in their pain and misery. So a lot of the mm-hmm. things they give you, is uh not healthy. That and can be true, mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yes, ma'am, cuz they're not going through the process of healing. So it's just like a it's just a keeps going around and around. But when I met this woman um at the time she was Staff Sergeant Davis, right. I mean, she changed my life. She was just consistent wow. in who she was. Okay. She was fair to whoever it was. Um mm-hmm. she didn't play favorites, and slowly I would go in and ask questions to her. And then that's actually when I was born again. I gave my life to Christ because okay. I remember saying, I don't want to be a Christian because all these women that said they were Christians were really mean and they gossip. And I'm like, I'm good. You know, that's what.
3: Right. And then I noticed
1: the impact of that. That's why I try to be mindful of like my attitude and mm-hmm. how I talk to other people because there mm-hmm. are people looking for a better way of living and they're, yes. and you're, you're God's advertisement. Right. Right.
2: We're his billboard. Arm.
1: Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And um, she changed my life. I started getting hopes and dreams and desires. I mean, big ones. Yeah. And I, I put vision board together. Um, I got married. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, I had four boys. Uh, we got a house. It was just a lot of things that I possible for me, and that's where I am now. And I just want to pay that forward and help other women, you know. Get to stir those dreams back up and desires. Don't put those yes. on the back burner because your dream is tied to someone else's destiny.
2: It sure and is.
1: It's just we're all supposed to be winning. That's what I do feel. We're supposed to be yes. winning and serving and helping in a in an amazing way.
2: Yes, and not competing against one another. But remember, we're all doing it for the Lord. And when we keep that in mind, we body. Can keep going. Yeah, we. We'll, you know, we can keep growing. You know, and learning and growing. Uh, you know emotionally mentally spiritually all of that but when we get off target with that you know who's the center of (laughs) who's supposed to be the center of foundation boy like you said that's when the stuff started with the the jealousy and all of that you know because people will see like you said, you saw it and then you think well this was christianity is about i don't know if i want it
1: you know yes Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am that's all
2: we're seeing on the outside right So uh, why do you think it is, um, well, first of all, how long did you stay in your toxic relationship Is part A of the question? And then for part B, why do you think that people stay in toxic relationships so
1: long? So I think, so I stayed in that relationship for about four years. Okay. Um, Because I didn't see a way out. And then I started seeing little glimpses of a way out. And it did get Mm. worse before it got better when I finally left.
2: Right. Like,
1: the attacks and all that. And I was actually didn't want to share that with people. Um, But then I was like, I noticed how many women are hurting. And they feel Mm -hmm. kind of lost. Because you do feel isolated when those things are happening. Right. So I I feel like people stay in those toxic relationships because, one – they're already ashamed of like what they look like. They don't mm-hmm. value their mind or mm-hmm. their body. Right. They put they put others in front of them like they deserve a better life than them. Right. It's like this this um poisonous thought system. And like you're mm-hmm. you're just feeding that in. You think everyone else, yes, you get ahead, but then you're really not like enjoying your life. You're not. not at and all. I think too I think too, um, because you've seen such this version of mean, you know, mm-hmm. coming at you. Right. That you're afraid to look mean because you say no.
3: Mhm.
1: That's not your responsibility.
0: No. You're supposed to and,
1: be doing things in kindness. Mhm. And say no. Yeah. And it's amazing
2: when you are in the toxic relationship how the devil will use that relationship and, like you said, your your thinking is distorted and the stuff you're. It's so twisted, you know, and that's what happens with that. The abuse, like literally uh, it uh, changes your thinking pattern and your thought process. You know what I'm saying? And it makes yeah, you yeah, yeah, this magical type of thinking. And like you have to have your own type of uh, thinking just to really stay in that situation. You know, you you kind of create your own. Magical world to help to survive. That I guess I would say you, you know? do, and
1: you shouldn't. You shouldn't feel like you have to escape life to get mm-hmm. away from someone. It's like you should just decide to decide that you don't want this. And and don't get me wrong, I didn't have a child in that relationship, and okay. I know there's some women that feel like they have to stay because they have a child. No, I feel like if someone if someone came to you today and said. Hey, I'm going through this, I'm in an abusive relationship. A hundred percent of me knows that you're gonna tell them you're gonna already know the strategies and the wisdom right. to tell them what to do, where to go. Right. But then you don't take your own advice because it seems too simple mm-hmm. to take it. And I feel like sometimes we have a problem submitting to simplicity. Right. We do we want to overthink it instead of thinking because our superpower is thinking, but our kryptonite is overthinking. Right. Right. So if you're thinking like no human should treat another human like this, then you need to make a plan to go. Right. However, right. You overthink <laughs> right, and just analyze. Yeah. Right. Right. Like you yes said, I would. Yeah. No human should
2: treat another human like this. Well, maybe it can be this and maybe it can be that. No, th- th- this is just wrong all across the board. <laughs> You know, all exactly. the babies in the world are still not adding up to the treatment you're getting. You know what I'm saying? We equate yes, love ma'am. with abuse.
1: Yes, ma'am. And and we sometimes we don't know what love is. I know I was at a place in my mm-hmm. life where anything could have said I loved you, and I'd be like, okay, I could lift a rock up and be like, I love you. Oh, yay! I'm with you. You know, that's how um, unhealthy I was in mm-hmm. like my mindset. And I was looking for outside assurance and validation. Like, well, Lisa yes. has a boyfriend. I look back at that young woman. I say, girl, you are gorgeous. Do not. You are brilliant. It is okay the way you think. It's it, You're designed Man. for that. But I would say this, too. If, if someone's listening to this and you are in that abusive relationship, I look at it as a clue to your calling. Yes. Because... That relationship is designed to stifle your creativity, stifle yes. your hope, yes. stifle your voice, mm-hmm. stifle any type of reasoning that you can help in, like take your life.
2: Oh Just my word! It's trying to yes. up your life out.
1: Mm-hmm. So you have so much in you to share mm-hmm. and help other people come through. Right. And I know. I know you probably don't see it right now, but I promise you, that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing right now
2: hmm. Amen, amen. Like you said, the key to what took to your calling is going to come out of uh that unfortunate circumstance of that relationship. Yep, that toxic relationship. God is going to use it. He always uses all of our pain, but we don't see it at the you know at the time because we're so caught up just trying to survive, just get you know how some people they just kind of get through the day, you know. And when yes, you're in ma'am. a toxic relationship, you're literally. Sometimes trying to get through the second or the minute, you know, you walking on eggshells every day, you know. Uh, So would you do you think that (laughs) with Christians would you think that um, the reasoning would be the same, or would you think it would be different for as to why people stay in the relationship so long?
1: So I think it's similar, but I do Mm -hmm. want to touch on something you just said. Sure, because I I believe this one hundred percent that God doesn't waste anything. He does not. Well, we like to give what God does, our version of what we think it is. When we think waste, we're wasteful. We have all these healthy plans all down on our menu and we waste mm-hmm. like 75% of the food that's in our refrigerator. Right. So we know that we're wasteful. So we try to mm-hmm. put God and like form it like, well, he's like me. He's not like right. you.
0: No. He's mm-hmm. not.
1: He has, he has the real true, true um, mold of love. Yes. And, and not wastefulness. He has that, and we need to um, – I'm saying this to myself, too, but, like, mm-hmm. we just need to work our way to fit into the mold. And it's not to say we're not, you know, valuable, but we are valuable. That's why we could fit into that mold, right? He is right. designed for us. So I think as um, Christians and toxic relationship, I do think it has to do with being mean. But also, again, that the words, our language that we're using, um, they're like, well, I want to look like a nice person. The Latin word nice means to be ignorant or stupid. Don't let my kids hear the stupid part because they're like, oh, that's a bad word. That is a bad word in our house. They <laughs> don't <all> say that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think we think we're trying to be a, a nice or a good girl, a good yes. Christian. Yeah. And it really it keeps messing with your mind and you just keep like dividing yourself. And like yeah. you can't even help anybody. You can't help yourself if you're constantly like saying, well, this is what this looks like. That's not your job to think what other people think about you. Yes. Our job is to know what God thinks of us first, yes, and then is our decisions that we're making every day aligning with his um I think another thing too for toxic relationships, I think we have an internal justice system, so when we make a a mistake, we're like ten years of life. What are you doing? God's grace is (laughs) – you don't have to do that to yourself. You can Mm -hmm. ask for forgiveness. And if you have to apologize to someone, you know, apologize to them if you're in the wrong. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to carry that guilt because then you'll believe that you deserve punishment. So I think with all that, I think that's why Christians stay in toxic relationships. And they're like, well, this is the will of God. God doesn't say to be abused. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say – like, to stay there. It's mm-hmm. like you, he made you. Yeah. Um, he made you. No right. one else made you. But he made you. Yes. Uh, For a purpose. You are, you are purpose.
2: Yes. Right? Yes.
1: He made you with intent.
2: Therefore, mm-hmm. he wants
1: you live your life with intent. And I think we stay in those relationships, you know, as Christians, because we think our purpose is to please others and be nice to others. And that's just not true.
2: Yep. And you know that's one thing too. Even as we heal as Christians, it's like it still shows that it's more work to be done than the thinking. You see what I'm saying? Cause sometimes you see you, you can't even get a person to unsee what they're saying. They have made themselves, you know, we make ourselves responsible for the other party's actions. Like you said, it's the nice girl. You know what I'm saying? The night what a nice Christian woman would do or the nice Christian man would do, you know, if it's the other way around. But that that thinking is still is still twisted because you are still putting somebody else's actions, you're making that your responsibility, you're putting it on yourself when we can we can have self-control and barely take care of us. We definitely don't need to be trying to control anyone else because That's not love. You know, God gives us that free will and that's where the choice comes in. You know what I'm saying? He allows us to choose. Yeah, he doesn't force us to love him. And so, like you said, you know, when we are talking to other people and and like as we progress onward, we're able to detect, you know, discern it, so to speak. That detector goes off like as a red flag. It's like, yeah, they're still got that twisted thinking of somehow That other person's actions is my responsibility. So I need to do this, this, and this. And it's like, no, that's that person's junk to deal with. You can only do what's here. And then, you know, according to what we know, that God wants us to live that way and then keep it moving. You know? But somehow we get it twisted.
1: I I think with that, um, as Christians, we think we have to carry other people's burdens. And I like to think of it as, as the airport. Uh, they say, do not touch any luggages that are not yours. So don't, if that's not yours, leave it at the airport. TSA will come pick that up. You don't need right. to to keep carrying that. And then a lot of times, too, and I'll say um, this, too, especially being like a woman of color mm-hmm. um, and even men, too. When you're younger, all these people have all these type of questions to ask you or assume about you. And a lot of times we take take it instead of pushing that responsibility back on them. Right. To say, why would you say that? Mm-hmm. You know, why would you make that comment? Why why don't we respond that way when people say things that are ignorant? Instead, we hold it and yeah. then we go home and say, "Mom, they said this," and they're like, "Oh, I was talked like that in school. Just brush it off." Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So I think ha- giving kids a voice when they're younger mm-hmm. and women like it's it's not too late to start right now. No, just it's saying, not why too would you late. Do that? Right. Yeah, and just think like, why would you do that? Because that's mm-hmm. forcing that responsibility on that person for them right. to look inside. I'm like, yeah, why would I do that? Right. Hmm, why do I do that? Oh, because i seen this when I was younger. Oh, I see it's a cycle. Right. Oh, this is what they mean by generational. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, you're absolutely right. We hear stuff that other people may say. And then, you know, instead of speaking up and like, like this and I make you feel good, I'm trying to see, what, you know, what your reasoning was behind coming up with what it is that you said, you know, like, I love you. And, you know, I just want to understand, like, where you get this from. And so a lot of times, like you said, we just want, we'll take it on to ourselves. But then later, we are the ones that's going to have to deal with it because soul damage has taken place. And either way it goes, it's going to be damaged. But at least if we've talked about it, we've kind of discussed it. We might not even be as hurt. We still going to be hurt, you know, because whatever they say, it was probably out of line or either. Uh, it's out of line or like some type of bias that you know they've gotten from somewhere else. You see what I'm saying, yes, ma'am. But a lot of times, that's uh, talking about it. You know, we'll brush it off and we we'll go with the nice Christian woman again. You know, well, you know, they probably didn't mean this and this and that and the other. You know what I'm saying? When it really yes, hurt, ma'am. yeah, it really hurt. And what I noticed too is like with uh, women of color, especially you know, people of color in general but just particularly like women of color you know we get so trained to try to take on someone else's burden of that when something is uh it's it's um inappropriate as far as like a bias that someone has you know something they say you know it could be it could come out like as a microaggression or it could come out as a bias or you know it's different ways of it coming out but a lot of times we've like trained ourselves and like our parents, grandparents, you know, of course, because of slavery and all of that, coming all the way up to now, you trained, you know, we have trained ourselves to think that, well, just let it slide because they don't know any better. And so, like I said, even though that thing is causing us pain, keeps constantly sweeping up under the rug, it's not helping either. You know what I'm saying? Yes, ma'am.
1: Yes, ma'am. You said that perfectly. Um, I agree with that. I think... Um, even from slavery, it's like, keep your head down, just work. Keep your head down, just work. Because right. you don't want to look like they are rebellious, loud. Um, I remember one time I made a correction at work um, because somebody was lying about um, cleaning a set of instruments. Okay. And I said, and I addressed it on a lower level, but then he was still doing the same thing. I addressed it to a higher level. And then they're like, oh, you know, Chris, at the time I was a single parent. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you know, Chris single parent of that and I was like nope what's wrong is wrong I didn't say it in the mean way mm-hmm. I said it from a place like I care about that person I care right. about that he won't get in trouble and it'll affect other patients and things like right. that. right and um but it got brushed under the rug because because right. I addressed it but people still had their um own thoughts and perceived judgments um mm-hmm. about um what I'm seeing that you know and addressing
2: Right. So yes, ma'am. Because you knew it was wrong.
1: Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so and the yes, same thing totally. too. It's the same thing. Just still, just giving that responsibility back on people. Um right, so that's not taking right. that cuz we're thinking about it at night and we're like, well... And then you start not want to go do the thing in so the women I help, they're transitioning out of their 9 to 5 cuz they do feel like mm-hmm. their calling is to help other people. They may be coaching in different different fields mm-hmm. of study. Okay. But some, but even if the woman is still at her nine to five and she loves her job, she mm-hmm. loves what she does. She loves helping clients and customers. But right. she shouldn't feel like she has to drag on to work because of those type of behaviors.
2: Right. So that's yep. a toxic
1: environment, too. It is.
2: Like you said, yeah, putting that stuff back where it belongs and not on you. And like I said, not saying that we're not going to be hurt, by it right? Because nine times out of ten, we are going to be hurt by whatever they said or did, you know, most that time out of 10, it's going to be something they said. And sometimes it won't be something they said. It's like the unspoken, you know, um, there are certain things as a person of color that even if a person doesn't say it, their body language will help you to discern what it is they're really thinking. You see what I'm saying? As far as bias, you know, I don't know if you've ever had those situations before where, it could just be a certain look or something you're doing, some type of way they're looking at you or at something you're doing that's kind of telling you that's the unspoken of what they're thinking about you. You know what I'm saying? So, like you said, just handing
1: it back. Here you go
2: <laughs> for you mm-hmm. to deal with. You know, I've, I'm dealing with my own junk, but I need you to like <laughs> take that back.
1: <laughs> yes, ma'am.
2: <laughs> so, what would you say your definition of, um, a toxic relationship is
1: I would say something that is slowly killing you on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's lethal. Like you are a vessel, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever is poisoning is going to be carried everywhere you go from, you know, events, being by yourself. And I feel like it's just slowly killing you on the inside. You start to lose vision of, who you are. Really, it just sucks up your vision and hope because yes. that's designed to make you perish. Yes. Because what's in you is so vital and important and tied to mm-hmm. other people. Um, so that would be my definition that it's something that's slowly killing you. If you, if you had dreams 10 years ago and you notice that you don't have no dreams and visions now, that means something's been happening and you just became passive about yourself mm-hmm. and you don't think you're worthy of it. Yeah,
2: that is so true and you know what was key to me when i listened to what you said as far as it slowly killing you on the inside and then to the point where you don't have the dreams and visions anymore and then it made me think about with samson him and that him and delilah in that relationship that toxic relationship not only did he lose his spiritual vision uh physical vision but he lost his spiritual vision for a while and he had to have that come to jesus moment in that prison house you know what i'm saying before with he her. got back on the road again, you know, and reclaimed his identity, hairstyle growing back, you know, so you could tell he had done the work. But yeah, yeah, his vision, <laughs> getting caught up with, with Delilah and um, his lust, that brokenness that he had with his lust for women, uh, really, like, <laughs> it really, like, blurred his vision on what it was he was, you know, supposed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Yes, so that... Mm-hmm. um Right, that that was really something, uh, the situation with Samson and Delilah. So what would you say if a person wants to live a life of resilience and flourishing, what does that look like?
1: I think the most courageous thing you can do is look at yourself gotcha. and ask yourself, is this what I want?
3: Okay. And when you
1: can answer that in an honest way, mm-hmm. If you can answer that in an honest way and say no, then that's when you're able to start looking at a lot of the disadvantages that are around you and starting to plan how you can make that an advantage for somebody else. That makes sense. Okay. So if you're able to look at uh, your own life
2: and see if you're pleased with it, that'll help you determine whether you are living a life of resilience and flourishing, right?
1: Yes, ma'am. Because also, too, it's, um. I know you can never obtain perfection. And you said that mm-hmm. on your last podcast. Yeah. And um, I think it's just really about you enjoying the journey and it's who you're becoming. Mm-hmm. It's not you making this final, like, yay, I made it here. Because right. sometimes God, God doesn't. So even if you get this big vision and goal, mm-hmm. remember I told you about the deserve. It could be on both ends of the spectrum if you're using that word. Yes, But if you're looking And God says Hey you're going to be a doctor He may want you to go to school to be a doctor And you're like whoa I didn't think I was that smart enough to be a doctor Mm. And then he takes you To take the exam But you never get accepted Right right. And then you could be all hurt and messed up about it Instead of pivoting So that's something similar that happened to me I applied to go to dental school I didn't get into dental school And then I was like you know, then I looked at my vision board one day mm-hmm. and I said, "Coaching and speaking, help giving women a voice." And I was like, "Okay, I'll do that. I'll do that ah, right now."
2: Gotcha.
0: And
1: but with that too, um, did you watch the Harriet Tubman uh, movie? It came I out think, a couple years ago. Oh, I did. I, it was good. So that yes. story in there where she escaped, but then she kept feeling like God kept showing her her husband in her face, mm-hmm. in her head. So she went back to go get him, but he was married, and he already had a baby coming on the way. Oh my goodness, wasn't that terrible? Yes, but God used that because that's something she's familiar with to get back there. Yeah, to to take her there because yep. she was like, "Wait, why would you do that?" And then as she looked up, she seen who she was supposed to help. The other people, other people.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. God will use anything, as we just talked about, <laughs> right? As we just yes, talked we have- about. Yes, as far as him um not wasting anything. So like you said, he gave her the vision of her husband and for her to go back for him. And like you said, he'd have come to find out he didn't already remarry. But she had those other people there that she could help.
1: hmm Yes. And she could have and she could have been just she wasn't that type of woman, but she could have just been like, Oh, wait, mm-hmm. oh God, you did this to me. She could've started blaming and then making saying, Well, oh, maybe if I didn't do this and be in regret. Right. She didn't do that. She Mm -mm. looked and was like, oh, Then you have that sense of peace about what you're supposed to be doing. And sometimes it's scary because there's a lot of a lot of new things happening. Right.
2: Yep. Yep. I agree. Sometimes it's very scary. You're absolutely right.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, ma'am.
2: She could have let it derail her and say, you know what, my husband and marry somebody else, you know, and she could have just like went back and just just like stayed there and and just got stuck there. You know yes, what I'm saying? Ma'am. That could have literally that situation could have been a common stronghold in her mind.
1: You know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And
1: and the the thing is is that um God God is safe, right? Mm-hmm. He is safe. But his ways and where he's directing us is unpredictable.
2: Oh my word, yes. <laughs> you sometimes you say, uh, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here, but I'm gonna trust you. But I, I don't like it either. <laughs> I, <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, I know it's gonna be worked out for you good, Romans eight twenty eight.
3: Trying to do it on my own I've seen the world from his great love. How could I know what he could love? How would I have seen what he had in store for me if I didn't give up and let him be my alley of grace? Where things would change and maybe they'd take up cross high again, the valley of grace, never was the same after he had died. The love that refines so much. I wish I could give back, but I'm not intact to be sharing all of that. You took the price to give me that life, and now it's never gonna fade away. When I see I need more upon my ears and I won't go back the way it was again I feel so much. So much.